Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Brad Henderson, Ole Miss baseball radio analyst and career hits leader. Brad, how are things going, man, at, uh, at Alpha Insurance today? Good, Parrish. It's a little wet over here in Oxford today, so hopefully everyone's safe out on the roads, and hopefully this gets out of here uh, before we start tomorrow night with South Carolina. You know, it's looking like Sunday could be the rain day, and I'm wondering if, uh, if they might be proactive and, and play two <clears throat> games on Saturday. Uh, we have the unusual 6 o'clock start Saturday night, which, you know, that, that, that excites me. <laughs> but uh, TV, Brad, they'll start at 3 in the morning if TV asks them to. So, uh, anyway, uh, Saturday night, a TV game, SEC Network against South Carolina. Uh, we'll see what the weather does. It looks like Friday and Saturday will be okay. Yeah, no, it does. I, I think we'll definitely get the first two in and uh... – and obviously Sunday will be a question mark, but it's it's amazing to me how uh, we just always seem to get them in. I don't know how or why, but uh, it can be a hundred percent chance of rain right now. But we'll end up playing at some point on Sunday to get that get that game in. Now, obviously, they have moved it up to eleven thirty start now uh, rather than a noon. But uh, yeah, I, I feel certain we'll get all three in. Well, I tell you what, Brad. As far as getting games in, it's just amazing. Uh, the work and the skill level of the grounds crews from SEC school to school and and uh, all they do to keep these fields playable. I mean, it's just – if it's not raining, the field's going to be playable. If it's not yeah. raining, it's going to be in good shape, and, and you might have some water in the outfield. But uh, with the, uh, the technology they have uh, available these days and, and tarping the field and – and whatnot, uh, the, the field is typically going to be playable. Uh, tarping the field, man, uh, did y'all look forward to that as players, or, or how, how quickly did you learn that? <laughs> Real quick, because they're going to let the freshmen uh, do the grunt work. Uh, but, yeah, it's amazing how, how well these fields drain, and uh, obviously you tarp it to keep the, the infield dirt dry. But, uh, yeah, a lot of work goes into these fields, a lot of money. Goes it goes into taking care of these fields, but uh, again, I, I think we'll get it in Parish. Yeah, I tell you what, though, when when you cover these college games for so many years and you become accustomed to the tarp, and then you ride by a high school field that doesn't have the tarp, doesn't have the resources, and and you see how water stands and how quickly those fields become unplayable, uh, you have a, a greater appreciation for. Uh, what these college crews are able to do. Hey, folks, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Registration continues for summer day camp. That's online at OxfordParkCommission.com or by visiting the Coach Howell Activity Center. Camp serves ages 5 to 13. Cost is $300 per camper per session. Sessions run June 1 to 25 and July 5 to 30. Hours are 7.30 to 5.30 each day. Games, arts and crafts, swimming, outdoor activities, and more are just some of the things campers will take part in daily. And OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool. Season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. Contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at J-A-M-I-E at OxfordParkCommission.com. 
with questions or just apply online at oxfordms.net. Uh, Brad, we will have later today a Zoom call with Mike Bianco, and, and we so we we haven't heard yet. Maybe you have, but uh, what do you know about uh, Gunnar Hoagland's status for the weekend? Well, I think, and, and this is just me, uh, I, I did stop by practice on Tuesday just for a little while, and <clears throat> from what I understand, uh, he, he feels really good, and uh, I think barring a setback, that we'll see Garner tomorrow. Now, I've gotten no word of that from any of the coaches, any of the players. Right. Uh, <clears throat> that's just how I feel about it, talking to a, a couple of people on the, on the inside of that program. Um, obviously, Coach B will have a better idea this afternoon. Uh, I knew Gunner was going to throw a bullpen either yesterday or Tuesday, uh, but I knew he was feeling a lot better. And uh, uh, like I said, bar barring a major setback, uh, I think we'll see Gunner Hoagland tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, Mike Bianco is uh, really good with sharing uh, injury information. Uh, you know, different coaches handle that in different ways. He, he doesn't mind talking about those things. We'll hear from him. Uh, later today, and and I kind of expected that uh, that Gunner uh, would be back and, and ready to go. Thought we would see him later in the LSU series. Brad, um, uh, Mike never committed to that, but uh, I thought it was kind of trending that way. Uh, but they were able to uh, to get through the series with without using him. Now, looking at the rest of that starting rotation right now, and I'll tell you if there's something you can hang a hat on for Ole Miss this season. Um, it's been that starting pitching. I know that uh, they, they lead the SEC in, in hitting uh, right now, but uh, the runners on base thing is, uh, is problematic for the Rebels. They, they need to improve there. But that starting pitching has been pretty good. So if you, you put Gunner back in, presumably, this weekend, Doug goes in his Saturday spot, what do you do now in game three? What would Coach Brad Henderson do after the game that Derek Diamond had last week? And we know that Drew McDaniel has pitched better than he did in, in game three against LSU. But does, do those two uh, games in the LSU series put that third spot back in play? Uh, for me, and this is just for Brad Henderson, I would. Uh, I'm a big Derek Diamond fan. I'm a big Drew McDaniel fan. Uh, I just think when Derek is pitching well, his stuff to me is just a little bit better than Drew's as far as strikeout ability. Uh, <clears throat> now, when Drew's in the zone, Drew's got a lot of uh, – that slider gets a lot of easy outs, easy ground balls, easy fly balls. And really, when both of those guys get in trouble, it's it's obviously via the walk or hit batter, and, and then innings have kind of snowballed. Uh, but I just think the way Derek looked on Thursday, which was game one against LSU, I thought he was really in complete control uh, the, the entire – night he was in and uh, he just has that uncanny ability to not get too high, not get too low. Uh, I would go with him, but again, I'm not around these kids every day. Mike and Carl know, uh, you know, they know who's hot and who's not, who to run out there. So I, I'll trust them on, on their decision, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Derek get, a, get another shot at it. Well, it would be uh, great from a media standpoint, uh, Brad, and, and and I know you dabble in media now with those those post game uh, interviews, but it'd be good for us. Uh, you put that media hat on if uh, if Derek Diamond was coming out for interviews because he's like the best quote on the team. He's he's like this this laid back California kid, and he's going to tell you 
tell you what he's thinking. And, and he hasn't been schooled yet in the art of coach speak. And, uh, and it's, it's refreshing hearing uh, from those guys. When you talk about stuff, and uh, uh, Mike Bianco has tried to explain this to us before uh, in, in the baseball uh, language of things, exactly what is, what, what is stuff. And uh, how, when you talk about uh, Derek's stuff, are you talking about how pitches move and dance or just, you know, uh, get, get us down the road on that a little bit? Well, I, I think uh, number one is velocity. Uh, you know, we, we've seen him get up to 96, 97 when he was – and that was when he was coming out of the pen. Uh, obviously, he could be max effort in those situations. But we even saw him uh, Thursday against LSU, you know, pitch at 94, 95. So, right out of the gate, he's got an advantage because he, he can get away with a little bit more uh, misses in the zone because it's harder, obviously, to catch up with, with 95 than it is 90. Uh, and then that slider to me is uh, it, it's it's got a lot more <clears throat> downward movement to it, and uh, it's just harder to pick up. Now Drew's is more that sweeping slider from right to left, uh, which is hard to hit as well. But it, it just always gave me trouble those really sharp sliders that they're kind of yeah. you know start out start out at your belt and end up you know below the knees and. Uh, and so that, when I say stuff, that's what I mean. And then also, I think his misses are better. You know, <clears throat> if he gets ahead in the in the count, he may miss you know a ball or two off the plate, which is tempting to a hitter. Uh, so when when you've got a guy that's always around the zone, you've got to remain super focused, and they're just hard to hit because even their misses are really good. And at some point, you're going to swing and miss at a ball that's you know, six or eight inches off the plate rather than it's easy to take a, a fastball that's up around your eyes. You just don't swing that very much or one that spikes, you know, three or four feet in front of the plate. I just think his misses are really good and it, it's just hard to really barrel up uh, Derek, if you ask me. And again, when he gets in trouble, it's just, he's just missing enough to walk guys and then it kind of snowballs. And we saw it the other night in the first inning with three errors. When you talk about a slider that drops, a slider that has that just this sudden decrease there, is is that the hardest adjustment for a hitter to make when a ball drops like that? Uh, it, it was for me, but because they're they're coming out of the pitcher's hand like a fastball, uh, and then I, I would just struggle picking it up so late that I had already swung at it. So when I when I really started to separate myself as a hitter. Uh, I didn't learn to hit that pitch. I learned to take that pitch. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that's the key for uh, a lot of these younger guys. You know, uh, I think Alderman, uh, I think we talked about on Monday, uh, Plumley. Uh, when those guys can learn to lay off that pitch and get in fastball counts, they're going to be really, really good hitters. Uh, but so many times freshmen come in, they don't want to look silly on one of those pitches uh, that they get caught in between. You know, they're laid on the fastball. Uh, because they don't want to look silly on one of those hard sliders. So when they can eliminate that and, and just lay off that pitch, I just don't think college kids can throw it consistent, consistently for a strike. And then you look up and you're 2-0 and they got to throw you a fastball and then you can really go to work. But uh, it takes some time. It, it takes some experience. you got to see it over and over. Uh, but they'll figure it out. What was missing from McDaniel's start there in, in game three? Did you get the sense that he was uh... – just really amped up uh, against his home state school and, and, and maybe uh, a, a little out of sorts in that way? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think that had something to do with it. Obviously, he's from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, so playing LSU off, means an awful lot to him. Uh, and then I think there's a little pressure there with it being game three, and we yeah. get to win again. And uh, that that's two that's two factors that are it's hard to run out there, man. I'm gonna go face my home homeschool uh, in a must win, you know, not to get swept situation, and uh, and, and then I just don't think he had his stuff that day. And then every, every one of those, every guy that pitches in this league, even Jack Leiter and, and Kumar, there's been days they haven't been very good. And I just think Sunday or Saturday, game three, uh, you know, Drew just wasn't very good. And uh, credit LSU, they swung it all weekend, I thought. They put a lot of pressure on us. Um, and, 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 we, and we didn't make some plays either. So it, it all kind of snowballed, but – you know, again, if we if Mike decides to run him out there Saturday against South Carolina, I have no problem with that. I, I think Drew's going to be right. a really good weekend on next year. So the more experience he gets, the better he's going to be. Yeah, LSU did hit uh, throughout the course of the week, <clears throat> and they were able to chase uh, Drew McDaniel. They put pressure on Nikhazy, a pressure that he didn't face the week before against uh, <clears throat> Mississippi State when he had the nine inning uh, complete game there, one to nothing shutout. And and I know that uh, you're, you're not at your best every every start, but I did think uh, LSU put some pressure on uh, Nikhazy, forced him to strand some runners, and, and he did uh, for the most part. So another sure. good uh, good outing for Doug. You brought up Kemp Alderman. Brad, what, what do you do with Kemp Alderman now, man? He's like the shiny new toy. You, you want to bring it out and play with it a little bit? Uh, <clears throat> where do you put him? When, when, I, when I think of that, the most logical thing I, to me is, is DH because uh, I don't see – uh, quite as much production. I know there's, there's not as much production to that position as uh, as Mike would like, and uh, I haven't seen uh, Kemp in the outfield enough to really be comfortable with him defensively. You know? So what what do you do with this guy? Well, I think number one, it's it, it's gonna. I want to know how Hayden Leatherwood's feeling uh, first. You know, how's that? How's that thigh? How's that Charlie horse feeling? Uh, obviously, that's why he came out of the game in game three. Uh, so, if, if he can't go, then, yeah, I'm probably going to stick him back out there. But Sacramento's going to start three right-handers on the weekend. So, I, I just don't think because Kemp jumps out there and get the, gets a huge hit, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that awards him yet uh, that DH role. Uh, now, I certainly think he'll have his shots this weekend. Uh but in the small sample size we've, we've gotten, um, you know, he, he's going to have to come a long way because this staff at South Carolina is really good. They're second in the league behind Vanderbilt in conference games only. So they, they're fixing to run three guys out there that are really good. Now, the, you know, the, on the flip side, they don't swing it really well. They are uh, they're 13th out of 14th and hitting. You know, they're hitting 229 as a team. We're hitting 306. So – uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be a really good pitching staff against a really good offense and uh, and vice versa. And I don't think we're a bad pitching staff. Don't get me wrong, but we're more of that middle of the pack right. because we, we give up some runs uh, with our bullpen. Uh, but they've got some guys that can hurt you with Wes Clark and guys like that. So, But back to Kemp, I, you know, I, I, th- I still think he's in that spot to where if we need to try and catch lightning in a bottle, he's the first guy you go to. Uh, if he's if he's a guy that you're down two and you're trying to get someone to, to start the inning off of the leadoff wall, I probably don't leave Kemp off. Uh, so 
It'll be interesting to see what they do because there's a lot of hype behind him now. And obviously the kids got to have a lot of confidence going, going into tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and right-handed starters for uh, South Carolina. And he was, he was a, he's a righty swinger. Now I don't have my notes in front of me, right? Kemp's a right-handed batter. That's right. Okay. So you, you don't have that uh, statistical advantage there. Um, the home run I'm forgetting was that uh, was that a righty righty matchup there or did LSU have a lefty in the game? It was a righty righty. Okay, it was righty righty, and he got a first pitch fastball up and away, and obviously he he just destroyed it. Uh, and really, I think it's going to come down to him and Van Cleve, you know. And and Van Cleve's probably been a little more uh, he's probably a little more consistent. Yeah. Uh, but he hadn't hit for a lot of power, hadn't hit a home run. Uh, he'll throw you a double in every now and then, but you know, they, they both bring something yeah. completely opposite. Uh, you know, and it's, a, it's a odd, you just wish one of them yeah. run out there and win that spot. Uh, but I, I think we'll see it back and forth, uh, until somebody does. But again, I think Calvin Harris will continue to get his chances, yeah. uh, as well being a left-handed bat this weekend. Um, cause it just seems like he throws you a hit in there every now and then and, and, and every now and then, one of them's a big hit for you, you know. Yeah, yeah Van Cleve, is, he must lead the team in hitting the ball right at people uh, or, or maybe hitting it to the track or the wall and just shy. And, and uh, seems like here lately he's got a few more to drop. But uh, you're right, he's, he uh, hasn't left the yard uh, yet. So uh, we'll, we'll see uh, how, that, uh, how that position evolves there. I can remember, Brad, one of your uh, – uh, high school quotes from Tupelo High School that uh, has stuck with me through the years was after a playoff game at Brandon when uh, you had hit well and you said it just I just really like seeing the big right-hander come over the top you know so that was that uh, lefty-righty matchup and 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 I remember that a lot of times that works for the hitter and uh, you know works out like you want sometimes it doesn't but uh, sure. a lot of coaches play those percentages uh, Kale Baker, uh, Brad, what do you make of Kale right now? Uh, looks like he's he's hit more consistently uh, since he's gotten healthy from the hand injury. Uh, I know he was really struggling way down uh, below 200 for a time. Uh, you know, he's up at 288, 73 at bat, so he's done a respectable job there. Has he kind of solidified things there at first base? And I and, and what I'm thinking about, uh, I just uh, – I didn't think he had a very good defensive weekend against LSU. No, and, and that <clears throat> that's going to come with more repetitions. And, and he's just not as good as an Elko, you know. It just is what it is. Uh, but the more he's <clears> – <throat> and we're running out of time, so I, keep, I hate to keep saying, well, you know, the more repetitions he's get because we're going to look up and the season's going to be over. Uh, yeah. So, we better figure it out in a hurry. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought he was a little tentative on some plays, you know, there's a couple backhands he should have made or just got in front of, knocked the ball down. Uh, but you know, he, he came in here as a catcher, uh, obviously didn't play much first last year. Uh, so I, st I still think he's learning. I, I still think defensively he's got to take charge, uh, which he hasn't done, but offensively, I think this is as good as I've seen him look. Uh, since probably the Louisville series, and right. uh, which says a lot because obviously after the Louisville series, people figured out how to pitch him, and he started seeing a lot of breaking balls. Started a lot, you saw a lot of swinging misses, and you saw that early this year too. But you don't see near as many swinging misses, uh, and he barrels up a lot of balls. Um, 
So I, I think it's good. I think this was the uh, Kel Baker they were expecting. And, uh, man, I pull for him. He's, he's just an awesome kid to be around. Um, yes, you know, and really the hair and the, and the goatee and the mustache, it's, it's, all, it's all theater because, man, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And uh, you, you pull for kids like that. And not every kid's like that. Uh, so, but yeah, I think he's swinging it really, really well. So yeah, but when, he, when they, yeah, when they are like that, it's fun to watch good people be successful. So, uh, you, that's right. You, that's right. You pull for those kids. So, so when you stop by uh, practice this week, were they working on bunt defense? They actually were, <laughs> they actually were, uh, I, I dropped my daughter off to volleyball practice. So I had about 45 minutes to kill and, uh, they were actually working on bunt plays. Um, it, it was, it was kind of irony because they work on butt plays all the time, but yeah. uh, the, the irony of, of how we fielded them, fielded them against LSU was, was pretty, pretty funny because uh, we're out there uh, doing butt plays, which again, they work on those all the time. They just botched them uh, this past weekend, uh, but it was pretty funny. Uh, missed BP, uh, didn't get to see it, but they were working on butt plays and base running. And, uh, <clears throat> but I did get word that, uh, uh, Tim got a few swings in, uh, BP. Yeah. So Had, uh, hadn't asked that question in a while. And so obviously long way to go. They still have no idea if he'll be able to play or not. Right. But, uh, he, he did take a full round of batting practice. Uh, so it, it's going to be the running, you know, he, yeah. he's going to, yeah, that's going to be his biggest issue. I, I asked him after practice how it felt. And he said, it, he said the knee felt great swinging. Uh, it's just, he's at, he's at about 50% running. And uh, but but that's running in a straight line, you know, and, you know, in yeah. baseball, you got to make that turn. Uh, that's a whole different story. So, again, I'm not trying to get anyone's hopes up, but it was good to hear him say that he did swing uh, and that it did feel feel good. Well, you know, people have played with that injury before. There are different grades to an injury, different levels. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe this will work. Uh, we've heard of guys, like I said, who have who have been able to. Uh, delay a surgery like that and, and continue to play. And you just, uh, you hate it for Tim because of the year that he was having. And, uh, you know, it was honestly, honestly, it was just a, a little bit of a late bloomer uh, in his college career uh, for the athletic ability that you could just see you, you knew was there. And we would hear about uh, Tim going off and, and we, we know that he would have uh, dominant seasons in summer league and, and, uh, Saw what he did last year against the uh, the pre-SEC schedule, and and so for him to finally uh, put it all together and and have the conference season that he was having, leading the league in RBIs when he was injured, I I know it was especially disappointing uh, for for Tim. So when you spoke with him a little bit, uh, what was his frame of mind? Was was he in good spirits? Hopeful that he He's might in come great back. Spirits. He's in great spirits. And I think a lot of that is, I don't think he expected to be this far along uh, in his mind as far as his health goes. And so obviously when you're ahead of schedule, and again, I, I'll still be shocked if Tim Elko swings the bat this year. I hope he gets a chance, but I, I'll be shocked. But, but mentally in his mind, he's a lot further along than, than he had expected. So obviously he's going to be a lot more positive uh, about it and but no he Tim's always got a smile on his face uh pulling for his teammates but yeah deep down uh it's made him feel awfully good knowing that uh the rehab is probably ahead of schedule 
from what they expected. And, and they really didn't know what to expect because everybody reacts differently to it. But uh, he, he told me that every day he feels a little bit better, and that's really all you can ask. It is, and, and I know whether he swings a bat again this year or not, uh, just having that goal and going through practice and, and working toward it, that's, that's good medicine for Tim Elko right now. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss page and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Lots of good things in the group there. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.